what up? Jimmy Murray here with Frank Petalano, and we are the Cashflow Kings. The Cashflow Kings podcast discusses money, finance, mindset, and investing with an emphasis on cash flowing real estate. Thanks for joining the Cashflow Kings, and welcome to our new episode, Getting Paid for What You Are Worth, with Chris Voss and Steve Schull. We are here to help you crush your goals. So guys, I know that many of you have probably read Never Split the Difference by Chris Voss. He has just co-authored another book with Steve Scholl called The Full Fee Agent. So we thought that would be really a really cool opportunity to have them on the podcast. So Steve and Chris, welcome. Thanks, Thank guys. You very much. Yeah, happy to be here. Yeah, so everybody listening, it was pretty cool because Chris put us on the spot after frank said that we both read never split the difference and he was like well, what was your favorite part so uh i think we passed the test to record the podcast today um well what would you what did you like share it with the share it with the, the listeners share it with the audience so my answer was when chris was telling the stories about going through the nego the hostage negotiations in haiti when at some point they realized that the Haitian uh, kidnappers just needed money for the weekend. So they'd start out early in the week with this crazy high number. And then as the week went along, they'd be able to get that lower number and get more people home to their families. That And I think one of the, one of the storylines there was that like, they didn't really care about the people, they just wanted the cash. And that they really had no intention of actually hurting the people. They just realized that it was leveraged to get capital to go have fun on the weekend. And yeah. uh, one of the things, good, Chris, I'll tell you what I don't think. Yeah, everybody's I, driven by timelines, right? Every, you know, everybody's human. Everybody's driven by timelines. Figure out, you know, what the other side's timelines are, uh, which is just going to be some version of what your own timelines are. And typically at the it. beginning of the week, people, you know, they're getting over the weekend. You know, we're recording this the first Monday after St. Patrick's Day. So people are still in the process of getting up off the floor. You know, it was <laughs> March Madness. Covered from the Irish flu. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, you know, uh, everybody's kind of getting back into it on a Monday. Start to get a little more serious about the week on a Tuesday. And what's coming at you? So, yeah, it's it's, it's human beings. And I, I, I think that pairs well with what you, I, I mean, I haven't read the full fee agent yet. Um, but I think that appears well in the real estate world as well, like understanding the time frame, no matter what type of negotiation you're in. Yeah. One of the things I enjoyed about the book was uh, when Chris was up against some of the uh, college students back and forth negotiating, and they both had a certain set of rules of how much they were supposed to pay for things. And Chris was whacking them down out of everything they got, and he got everything he wanted. It was just very impressive. Well, and let's point out, too, it wasn't just college students. It was Harvard Law School students. And there ain't any class of people that's more fun to take to the cleaners than Harvard Law School students. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> Chris, Chris was a real professor in this situation. <laughs> no yeah. doubt. I schooled him. No doubt. So, Steve, I'd love to learn a little bit more about your background and how you, how you guys got together to write this book. Oh. You you want the big story or the little story? <laughs> uh, we got time. So I maybe, yeah, whatever you feel like. Hey, go ahead. What's wrong with it? Well, um, I've been coaching real estate agents for, uh, it was about 25 years when one of my clients uh, attended a book, a book signing in Malibu for Never Split the Difference. And she gave me a copy of the book. 
And one Saturday afternoon, I was reading the book and somewhere in that process, uh, the thunderbolt hit that you can't overcome emotion with fact, logic, and reason. And everything I did in my coaching practice up to that point in time was how to take emotion out of the business with fact, logic, and reason. And I gotten really good at doing that. And yet when I, you know, in reading the book, it was like, bam, I got it all backwards. And um, so I reached out to, as I was reading, I said, you know, this stuff applies 100% to real estate, all of it. And so I I reached out to uh, uh, Chris's group and I actually spoke to his son, Brandon, and Brandon and I had a nice conversation. And then Brandon said, all right, let me speak to Chris. And then we got on a call and we decided to start doing a program together. We did the first thing we did was a, an eight week negotiation uh, workshop. You know, we did that, you know, via Zoom. Yeah. yeah. And, and uh, you know, one thing led to another. And then we ended up uh, writing the book. And it's been about a seven year journey together so far. Love that. Love that. And I think I like working with Steve mm-hmm. about, and uh, very much like me, like he doesn't care what works. He just wants to know what works. And, you know, what he'd seen previously, like Steve has been successful in everything he's done. He's a successful professional football player. He is successful on Wall Street. He was successful as a real estate agent. Then he's successful as a real estate agent coach. Like Steve, Steve wants to know what works. You know, show me what works, and I'll and I'll and I'll do it. And 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 having been coached, have been in a lot of environments. He when he sees something that works, he's like, "Cool, I could I can make a hundred and eighty degree turn. I can make a ninety degree turn. What you know, whatever I got to do." He just wants to know what works. So that's one of the things I've always enjoyed about working with Steve. I think that's super important because everybody tries to reinvent the formula, right? Rather than taking the formula and playing with it for a while and executing. I think that in our culture today, people lack the discipline to execute consistently, right? So maybe you need to tweak the formula a little bit for your style, but like take that formula and execute against it for a period of time and, and just run the ball down the field, right? Yeah, yeah. And and then don't get, you know, data improves design. Don't get so wedded to how you're doing it. That's it. That you're not willing to, to make the adjustments. And, you know, Coleman Powell had a saying a long time ago, you know, never let your ego ego get so tied to a position that if the position collapses, your ego goes with it. Yeah. Just just focus on focus on what the data is telling you. Learn every step of the way. Hundred percent. So, as you guys go to dive in and write the book, like, what does that process look like? Co-authoring a book together, like, who writes what? Who writes when? How long did it take you guys to write the book? It was a lot of fun. I mean, and and. Um, you know, we, we brought in a co-writer, uh, you know, I'm not a writer mm-hmm. and, uh, the success of never split the difference is really built around the fact that I didn't try to pretend to be a writer. We brought in a phenomenal writer. So Stephen and I talked to several writers, you know, you gotta, you gotta go through a few to find the right person. You learn along the way. And it was a writer's job to collaborate, uh, you know, sort of distill down our ideas and then decide um, like whose voice it should be in. Now, Steve's voice and my voice is close, but Steve's voice was a better voice for this book. So 
you know, we, we threw it together. We put it out. It was Steve. How do, how would you, how would you add to that? Uh, it's a great question. I would have never been able to write a book on my own because I just get lost in writing thought after thought after thought. And, and, and because my thoughts are always evolving, you know, what I would write today might have a difference <laughs> about things tomorrow. So that was always a big hang up. And so uh, Chris introduced us to this relationship. We brought someone in as, as Chris said, we had to go through a couple people uh, to find someone who could a capture the voice. More importantly, though, this material is nuanced. It's it's subtle, and we had to find someone who could actually process what we were saying and and learn you know learn the information you know rather than just writing down concepts. Like they had to be able to think it through and, and, and we found this person and it was painless. It was literally painless. Once we, once we got the, into the process down. And, and one of the things I started to do in the beginning of the process, cause I do like to write is I started, you know, like doing some heavy edits to it. And then I quickly realized, Hey, that was nonsense. <laughs> and, and and then I, then I when I just backed out and let the book be written, mm-hmm. and then we just we just put on some you know some finishing touches at the end to, to tie it down. Uh, it was it, it, really cool. And then then I just had the experience of recording the audio book uh, a couple weekends ago, and that gives you a very different experience of the book when you're reading. Yeah every single word and what was amazing what was amazing in reading it you know doing the audio recording it must be in there a hundred times literally a hundred times that you can't overcome emotion with fact logic and reason and that again as i mentioned earlier was actually the trigger point of bringing chris and i together you know that was the catalyst and then man, it comes out in the book just over and over and over again. And for, for anyone listening to this, you know, I see it in real estate sales all the time. Salespeople are trying to convince people to do what they want them to do with fact, logic, and reason. And when you go down that path, that is the hardest path to go down. You, you can't really, you can't convince anybody of anything. And you're foolish if you think you can and yet, again, in real estate sales, that's what they're doing all day long, is throwing out all the facts, all the logic, all the reason, trying to con- convince people to do what they, the salesperson, wants them to do. It, it, it is all backwards. I have a confession. I am one of those people. <laughs> so they are fact, logic, logic and reason I'm, guy. Yeah, I am going to buy the book right after this, no doubt. Okay. And, and I'll, it, it's not it's not this the real estate agent's fault. It's the system. That's where the system is set up. Every force imaginable is conspiring real estate agents, turning them into commodities, where all they're doing is competing based on price. You know, how much can I give away right. to get business? And you know, the, over the past week, I've been having this thought more and more. Is what 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 can be more scary than thinking about being in a profession 
for 30 or more years and you're and 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 you're at the top of the profession and you're in it 30 or more years and you're having to give away your money to get business that that is crazy an awful thought that I'm going to work all that time and be that good and yet I'm still giving away my money in order to you know get people to do business with me I I hope that would scare the heck out of anybody who's thinking about real estate yeah, I think it goes like I'm a huge Seth Godin fan. I don't know if you guys have read any of Seth Godin stuff, right. right? Yeah. But how do you attract, like, I think about Purple Cow, right? So how do you attract people so that you're talking about how to provide the best service and not the best price? I mean, so I own a fairly sizable property management company. That's our core business. And I tell folks all the time, like, if you feel that property management is a commodity, we're probably not the right fit. But in those, during those tough times, when you got to evict that tenant, or you got some sideways stuff going on at the house, you got a rehab project, like we're going to provide the value there, right? So competing on price, I think if anybody competes on price in the wrong business. So the fact that it sounds like you guys have written this book to show people how to compete on the value that they provide is huge. Well, it's, it's moving people from the value paradigm to the trust-based paradigm and mm -hmm. building trust with people. You know, Stephen Covey had, you know, the famous thing, you know, seek first to understand before being understood and you know, chris put a whole new spin on that is you know make people feel understood and yep. that is really the missing piece i've been doing this like i said 31 years now in real estate and nobody's teaching that nobody teaches the idea the, the idea of making people feel understood first and then how do you actually do that and in truth no one can actually hear what you're saying until they feel understood. Only then will they relax and be open to what you have to say. Before right. then, they're just trying to get their point across and they're not listening. You're not listening. It's just people talking at each other. Absolutely. But Steve, but Steve so many people are willing to give me a 4% split to sell my property. All day long. All day. I tell the agents all day long. There's always. And I mean, always a legitimate reason to give your money away. And the problem is, you know, because, you know, that's a scarcity mindset. That's that's making yourself into a commodity. And the, the challenge of that is, you know, how, how, well, it, I have to do that. I have to do that. That's the only way I'm going to get business. Well, you're in that situation right now of needing another deal because that's the way you operate. And right. I, I call it the human predicament. We we keep doing the things that we've been doing forever that have never worked, and we're still hoping today somehow magically it's going to work. If it hasn't worked up to this point in your life, guess what? It's not going to work tomorrow. Literally, the definition of definition of insanity, right? Insanity, right. Over and over, expecting different results. Right. And so. You know, this book is really about letting go and getting back to, you know, your title. If someone, the, the, what we're coaching people on, if they're, if someone is not willing to pay you your full fee, that's not your client, period. Mm -hmm. End of story. You haven't failed. You haven't lost. It's just simply not your client. How do most... How do most realtors you coach react to that statement in the beginning before, before they, you get into the program? 
they all struggle. It, it, it It's funny. We've been doing this seven years now. And when, when Chris first introduced these concepts, I could never say that I could never do that. You know, are you kidding? You know, phrases like I've got some really bad news or, or the accusations audit, you know, you're going to think I'm the worst real estate agent on planet earth. And, you know, some of the things that we did. And so in the beginning, remember in the beginning, when, when I first went to Chris and, you know, I, I read, you know, never split the difference. I said, this applies hundred percent to real estate, but we didn't have anyone doing any of this. All of this was brand new and it is 180 degrees versus traditional training. We are completely on the opposite side of the street. And so in the beginning, man, we were operating on blind faith. Mm-hmm. And, and I remember those conversations in the beginning to where we are today, seven years later. And it's just what an incredible journey, because it's really about, you know, how you how you leverage your mind, how you leverage your time, how you leverage your relationships, how you leverage process, how you leverage skill, how you leverage knowledge. What this is all about is leverage. It's mm-hmm. not about working harder. And that's, you know, that's the paradigm that everyone's in. They've all been programmed, you know, put your head down and grind. I was a product. We all have been product of that, yeah. that paradigm. The challenge is it doesn't end well. Spoiler alert. <laughs> so what, like when you guys take folks through the coaching program and you're trying to move them past those limiting beliefs, like, where do you start? <clears throat> Like out of all the things you just mentioned, like what's the first part of that multi-factor model to guide them down the path? Chris, you want to start? Yeah, it's, you know, it's a couple of things. Um, first of all, uh, getting them to start applying some of the concepts in small stakes circumstances so they can start to, to build um, an experience base to rely on. And you don't have to do it that many times because when you hear something that's radically different than what you've been practicing, you know, your fear centers, your amygdala kick into gear and it says that ain't going to work. And then it creates this whole movie in your head about it going bad and it's not going to work. And like, if you're envisioning how this is going to go bad, those are your fear centers and your fear centers are designed to predict 17 out of the two bad things that are going to happen. You know, the the win rate there, the batting average is very low, but it's your fear centers and you don't know it. Mm -hmm. Now, so you try something new. You really only need to try it four times. And your your gut instinct is a phenomenal supercomputer and starts to give you some experiential data. And now you got to understand what's the difference between your gut instinct and your fear centers. So we want to get them started on how can we start feeding their gut instinct? Now, the positive position that we're in now is Steve's got a whole bunch of people on his client roster that he's been coaching that are literally working 20% as much and making the same amount of money. Actually, now you have proof of concept. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, we got, we got people around him and they're willing to entertain the ideas. Mm-hmm. And so then we start giving them guid- guidance on one particular aspect called the favorite of the fool. And get them, all right, so you don't have to walk away. Uh, you know, the phrase is, if you don't know who the fool in the game is, it's probably you. <laughs> yeah. 
But start pulling data on when your gut was telling you you might be the fool in the game and how many of those did you close? Mm-hmm. The answer is going to be is, is always in the experience base, zero. Now, when your gut instinct was that you were probably the favorite, you know, you got reasons for that, but you got to know that it's your gut telling you that. What's your close rate on that? Well, if it ain't 100%, it's ridiculously high. So now here's this thing that scares everybody to death. What if those were predictable outcomes? What if there's a pattern of behavior there that could have stopped you from wasting your time? That's how somebody works 20% as much and makes the same amount of money. Or let's say then they want to work as hard effectively screening out those law, those opportunities that were never there. It's not a sin to not get the deal. It's a sin to take a long time to not get the deal. There it is. What happens if you can wrap your mind around that? What sort of a boost in your income do you actually provide? And understanding that your win rate is not what it really, what the industry win rate is once you eliminate the deals that you were never going to get. Everybody assumes the win rate. You got to grind. You got to grind. You got to you got to work twenty four seven, because that's what the win rate in the industry is. It is not the case. Once you start eliminating the deals that you were never going to get, you don't actually have to be any better. You just stop right. wasting your time. So that's the scariest thing. Where you're going to win? Yeah, that's the scariest thing of all. Huge. How to not be the fool in the game? I have a I have a great example of this. I have a. Uh, client that I started coaching uh, probably six months or so ago. Last year, they went on 150 listing appointments, which is a lot of listing appointments. Mm -hmm. The average agent sells four homes a year. So you can imagine (laughs) they're, they're a little above average. Anyway, they shared with me of the 150 appointments they went on, they got 75 and they didn't get 75, which is mathematically impossible. If it was based on the presentation, there's no way, you know, because it's the same group of people, same type of homeowner, same area. There's no way that 75 people are going to say, oh, I like your presentation. And 75 people say, I don't like it. There's no way that's happening. It's going to be 80, 20, one way or the other. And, and, and I said to the, I, I said, it's a partnership. I said, look, if you embrace this methodology of the 75 that you didn't get, we could eliminate at least 90% of those in a 15 minute phone call where you wouldn't right. have to go out to the living room at all. Yep. You could find out you're the fool in the game and exit gracefully. And then the 75 that you got, we could have trimmed down that process, streamlined that process dramatically, again, to a 15 to 30 minute phone call rather than all the prep time, driving out, giving a full two hour presentation, all the follow up. We could dramatically eliminate so much time. The challenge is for someone like that is they're having so much success doing it a certain way. The idea that they're going to let go of their their normal way of doing things, and 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 uh, move into this method. So you know, getting back to your question, they're baby stepping it. They're starting with 
they're starting to do uh, the clients that we have that fully embrace it. They don't go on listing appointments at all anymore. Hmm. They do a 15 minute pre-listing zoom call. They find out whether they're the favorite of the fool. And then when they go out the house, they're just signing paperwork. They're, you know, there's no more presentation that they're giving. So, you know, the, the, this partnership I'm talking about, they're starting to incorporate the conversation slowly. This whole idea of the favor of the fool that, that Chris introduced, it, it revolutionizes the entire industry because every single agent is out there under the wrong assumption. They all assume that they're winning or losing listings based on their presentation and to a lesser degree, their commission that they charge. Completely mm -hmm. false. Now we're talking 80% of the more of the time. We're not talking 100%. Yep. That's not, they were going to get that listing no matter what, or they were going to lose that listing no matter what. And I love when I have clients, I love it when they go, yeah, my listing presentation is so great. I get 90% <laughs> of my appointments. Yeah, what you don't know is you were the favorite 90% of the time. It had right. nothing to do with your with your appointment. Right. So this concept, and it's one of the biggest organizing principles that we teach, favorite of the fool, it changes the whole dynamic of the game. And with that, with that, I can't tell you how many commission scripts I've written in my life, literally thousands. I've, I've always wanted agents to get paid a full, full fee. That's always been a pet peeve of mine. And, and then what Chris enlightened me on, and this was like, wow. When you're the favorite, they're going to pay you your full fee. Always. Full, it doesn't make a difference. Right. Your fee is. And again, 80% of the time. We're not saying 100% of the time. So mm -hmm. it's not about the dialogue. It's about are you the favorite or not? Mm -hmm. And again, in real estate and what we're helping people do is most agents are charging five or less. Yes. We're getting agents to charge six and keep three and a half on the listing side. So they're, they're going from two and a half or less to three and a half. And what I now realize in doing this, if you're not charging a full fee as a real estate agent, you're wasting your time. You're wasting your career. It's the difference between being profitable and not being profitable. And you can be busy and you can sell a lot of homes and you can have gross production, but net, if you're not charging a full fee, you're simply wasting your time. And that's the message that we want to get out. It, you know, it's funny that you say that. <clears throat> so if I look at the it, the top two, I'll call it teams, but there's really one agent in our area. Um, he charges 4%, but the other top guy, 7% every transaction. So it, I think it's always super interesting. <clears throat> I, cannot I, I, had, uh, I had two clients two years ago in, in 2021. Both of them earned 12 million in gross commission income. Not so bad selling houses, right? <laughs> Pretty <Not> good. <laughs> One did it on 750 million in sales, and the other did it on 400 million in sales. And the difference being 
the fee that they charge. Yeah. One was working twice as hard as the other one. It's, 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 it's a game changer. I think it goes back to like what my dad taught me when I was a kid to work smarter and not harder. Right. So now I honestly, I'm, I, I just want to buy the book right now and start reading it. I wish Amazon could d- deliver it to me tonight so I could start. Um, any other like key themes or stories that you think would be helpful um, to kind of dangle the carrot to get people to dive a little bit deeper on this? Chris, you want to jump in? Now I'm, you know, I'm racking my brain. I can think of a couple, but I'm sure you you have some. Well, I, all right. So another concept that ties right in the favor of the fool, and again, this comes from hostage negotiation 101, is the term proof of life. And you know, you know, that's something that 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 Chris worked on in the in the hostage world. In real estate, how it applies is is there a deal here? And is there a deal here with me? Mm-hmm. And this is an industry that operates on hope and fear almost exclusively. And we want everyone operating on truth, not hope and fear. Right. And proof of life. It's a simple question. When you're doing this pre-listing uh, Zoom call, first thing you're going to ask is, you know, tell me what's going on. And they're going to, they're going to tell you what the situation is. Then we're going to make them feel understood. And then we're going to ask a simple question, which is of, of all the real estate agents out there, I'm curious, why me? Yo, that's, that's the sauce. That's and- the sauce. Now you're really making them think about it, right? Right. Now you're getting them to defend why they want to work with you. Mm -hmm. It's it's really one of the rare times we use the why question. And and as an agent, you've got to listen to that answer. And if you're not getting a robust response, if they can't tell you specifically why you, if they're saying something like, oh, we're driving around the neighborhood and we saw a sign or "We we got a postcard in the mail, or we did a Google search versus I went on to your website. I looked at your marketing. I love the way you present property. I love your photography or our, you know, you sold our best friend's house and they were raving about you, you know, how they respond to that question. Why me is your first big clue as to whether you're the favorite or the fool. And if you get a sense that you're the favorite, then you're going to probe that even further. You're going to get them to say more about why they want to hire you because people want to be consistent in their thoughts, words, and actions. And if they sit up front telling you how great and wonderful you are, then when you get to commission, it's going to be hard for them to say, oh yeah, but I don't want to, I don't want to pay you X. Right. You know, so that concept Proof of life is a powerful, powerful concept. And, and, and this is one of the big distinctions in what we teach people, you know, because uh, Simon Sinek says, you know, find out why, get their why, get after the why. And people are wrongly told to ask why all the time. Why makes people defensive unless you're defending you. So I, I did this the other day. Um, this is, Get somebody to give you your value proposition. Do not give them your value proposition. 
right get them to articulate it because if it comes out of their mouth it has more weight than if it comes out of your mouth so about about two weeks ago now i'm on the lex friedman podcast and uh, you guys may or may not be familiar with lex i knew he had a huge podcast he got this huge global following He's an interesting cat, like um, one of the most interesting cats I've ever spoken to. Super cerebral, super intellectual, and uh, like a MIT physicist. Yeah, he's buddies with Joe Rogan. He's buddies with Elon Musk. He's buddies with Andrew Huberman. I'm like the who's who of just like global thought leaders. Mm-hmm. And I'm flattered to be on this thing. Um, but... I, you know, like how as a hostage negotiator, am I really going to appeal to his audience? So how do I get him to pitch me to the audience? You know, I wish I would have said it earlier in the podcast, but I need him explaining to his audience why they should listen to me talk. That's I'm sitting there and I go, you know, Lex, what am I doing here? I mean, why are you talking to me? Why in God's name am I on your podcast? And he, because this, because this, because this, you're interesting. You're an interesting person. He lays it all out. I'm going to sell myself. Yep. No, he just sold me. Yep. And that that's the, the, the magic of why is it's, it's got a, it's a tactical empathy, surgical strike. And you should never, never, never ask anybody why, unless it's to, for them to convince you why they should do business with you. That's the mm-hmm. only time you should ever ask anybody why. You know, why me? But that scares the hell out of people to do yeah. that until they, until they were. It's a spell from Hogwarts and Dumbledore. <laughs> Think of me as Dumbledore, and I just gave you the defense against the dark arts spell. It's like your Patronus charm right there, right? That's Ready your Patronus go. charm. <laughs> I'm laughing. I'm laughing because... Uh, to further talk you up, Chris, uh, I get the email from Rhonda or somebody in your team, and uh, I see Chris Voss, and I see Never Split the Difference, and you guys are coming out with a new book with Steve and this and that, and I already know that Jimmy raves about your book. So, you know, I hadn't read it yet, and I'm like, I call him up immediately. I said, we want to have these guys on, and Jimmy's like, heck yeah. Even though, yeah. I mean, it took us four months to book you. <laughs> but it was definitely worth it. I mean, I I enjoy uh, negotiation and the art of it and everything else. So this is just this is just awesome for us. Thanks, fellas. Most definitely. All right, so guys. Fall, so have, go ahead. The Fulpy agent is uh, is just about real estate agents. Have you guys thought about a next step where you guys go after like investors or anything or cool stuff like that or? <clears throat> What would you suggest? Sounds like you got something in mind. I Here do. it is. Do you, you see the flip there? Here it is. Yeah, um, I'll tackle that one. Honestly, the way that I'm thinking about this, I'm actively negotiating a deal for an off-market property. I buy a ton of off-market property and flip houses. Um, I have an active negotiation on single family in Cumberland, Rhode Island. And I'm like, that's the question to ask, how to flip it on its head, because she keeps going back to price. So... Um, I'm most interested to read this book to see how I leverage it for direct to sell in negotiations to buy distressed assets. Yes. I'm not an agent. So, you know, I, I don't get me wrong. That's not saying I won't read the book because I love the concept of understanding my agents as well. I don't mind working with agents. Shoot. I gave 10% at the bottom of the market when I had to sell some land. It's like, 
if you make the deal, I'll give you 10%, whatever. Make mm-hmm. it happen. Yeah, you need performance, right? I mean, if you get performance, then the fee is a bargain. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Something to think about for you guys. All right, let's let's r- wrap you guys up with some of the questions that we ask every single person that comes on the podcast. Uh, actually, Jimmy, we might skip the first one. What do you think? Oh, Steven. I don't know. I mean, I think that's a good question to ask. All right, good. Um, S- Steve, I don't know, and uh, Chris, I don't know how much you guys do investing, uh, real estate or not, but if someone wants to become a better investor, what would you recommend? Wow. For those listening, oh. we got a lot of, we got, we took, we, I saw two deep breaths. Two <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, it, it comes down to value and trust as opposed to being, um, being hustled by the sales pitch. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm very much into implementation and, mm-hmm. you know, because there are a lot of great sales pitches attract, attach to great products and they're great sales pitches track attached to lousy products. So, you know, I'm looking for uh, uh, somebody's true understanding of the landscape. You know, what's the landscape? What's your track record? What's the landscape? You know, um, I like the phrase, never take advice from somebody uh, who you wouldn't trade places with. I love that. So like, uh, or don't take directions from somebody who hasn't been where you're going. Mm Mm-hmm. Sexy, and I'm also extremely leery of confidence. Like, if you're really confident, I'm probably not going with you. I understand the difference between competence and confidence. You know, Uh, do you do you want a confident plumber or do you want a competent plumber? Right. So, what are the indicators of competence? Is what I'm looking for. I would, uh, if I go back to when I worked on Wall Street. And if I go back to professional football, you've got to oh, have. Wait, he won't. He won't say this, but you guys are looking at a Super Bowl captain. Oh, I was gonna. Okay. I was gonna pull out my football cards and see if I can find them in there. So you know, good luck. I knew the, I knew the name sounded familiar. So I, I would say you've got to have a process. You've got to have criteria. You've got to have discipline, and you've got to stay away from one-off things you know where it's based in hope more than what your process is i know on wall street great traders had to have the discipline of taking lots of little losses you know if if the reason they got into a trade went away then they needed to get out of that trade not hope and double down and then when you find the right trade that's when you go in and you lean in and you keep you keep going so i i think great investing is about what's your process, how disciplined are you, and how consistent are you with what you do? Awesome. Next question is, besides a book that you've written yourself, what is one book you consider a must-read? It's, it's hard for me. It's hard for it to be one book. Um, Daniel Coyle's book, The Talent Code, is a great book. Um, and I'm not sure that I'd confi- be able to confine it to just that book. Stephen Kotler's book, The Rise of Superman, uh, would be another. And I, I'd probably throw those two out first. That's cool. I would, uh, three books by the same author, uh, Michael Singer, 
the untethered soul, the surrender experiment and living untethered. For me personally, the whole idea of learning to live in harmony versus disharmony has been a real, real game changer for me. Nice. I love those recommendations because neither of those are business books. Those are like lifestyle books, right? As I'm looking at it. Like I'm looking at the talent code and it's greatness isn't born, it's grown. Here's how. So for those of you guys listening in that are always keying on the business books, I think these guys just crack the code. You got to work here. I'm pointing out myself. You will work on your inner self first in order to go and experience that success. Everything is up here. This is, if you don't get this on straight, it doesn't make a difference what else you do. Right. You've got to get your inner world in the right place and then you can go do whatever you're interested in. Hell yeah. I'm with it. Last question for me is uh, what do you want to be when you grow up? Which means five or 10 years down the road, how do you see your business changing? Uh, for, for me personally, we're just having more of a global impact. You know, I, because this is human nature is the common denominator globally. Mm-hmm. And, you know, America happens to be the biggest, one of the biggest economic markets. So it's easy to stay within the American shores, but there's a lot of people out there, you know, that just need the emotional intelligence that's in both of these books. And the more people we help globally, I mean, I believe in a peace through prosperity. Uh, you know, Bono said that capitalism is pulled more is the the one ism that has pulled more people out of poverty than anything else love it um it's not perfect but it's just better than anything else out there so continued expansion across the world i am uh, getting more and more intrigued by artificial intelligence and what that can do for our business you know the idea of you know having a tactical empathy database where people could just, you know, tap into that, that, that mind share, uh, fascinates me. So, uh, you know, personally, I'd love, love to be doing more retreats down the line and just really helping people live their life in a very, very different way. You know, I, I, I work with lots of top performers and what I see every single day is more success equals more stress. And, you know, that there's something drastically wrong with that formula. If, if, if you're becoming more and more successful, I'd hope you'd be enjoying your life more and more, not, you know, chasing another deal. So the, those are the things that interest me. Love that. So, fellas, if somebody wants to reach out or follow you or get a hold of you, what's the best way? whether it be an Instagram handle, Facebook page, best way to find the book. Well, overall, um, if they subscribe to The Edge, the Black Swan Group's negotiation newsletter, and you go to the website, blackswanltd.com, and should be a tab in the upper right-hand corner to take you over to The Edge. That's a complimentary weekly negotiation newsletter. It comes out Tuesday mornings. It's it's actionable and concise, which is where the real value is. It's stuff that you can start to put into play right now. And then if there's a training announcement, if there's an um, uh, announcement on the real estate agent conference we're putting together for the fall, 
in any of the current training is and the new innovations and the new products are going to are announced in there so you're exposed to that stuff the the edge is the gateway to the entire website everything the black swan group does with the stuff with steve and all the stuff that supplements and supports it's all interrelated mm-hmm. so it all supplements um and then becomes universal human principles no matter what you do no doubt so you guys heard it here from Chris Voss, check them out at blackswanltd.com and uh, navigate to the edge tab where you can sign up for their Tuesday newsletter. Um, we hope that you guys enjoy this episode of the Cashflow Kings podcast as much as we did. It was super cool to have two legends on the podcast today. So I appreciate you guys for that. In between podcasts, check out our daily content on the cashflowkings.com or on our Instagram page under the handle the cashflow kings. Cheers to your success. The cashflow. Thanks, guys. I already signed up, by the way, for the email uh, for the edge. Uh, the Cashflow Kings programs for basic entertainment purposes only. We do not give official legal, tax, or investment advice.